1: Hey, Mike Lynch here. Hey, and I'm Patrick Harris. You probably like baseball, which is why you're listening to this. This is the uh, Hot Corner Podcast.
2: Well, I kind of like baseball. I guess I'll tune in.
1: Baseball's pretty neat, so thanks for listening. This is brought to you by your local Les Schwab Tire Center. Doing the
2: right thing since 1952. Woo, baseball! This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch. Gregman would like to get him to scamper home. Two on, two out. 10th inning. That's in the air to left. Here comes Fisher. Throw by Ethier. Astros win it. A deep dive on baseball. Wade Boggs is a Hall of Fame third baseman. The man's a legend. And much more.
3: He drank 50 beers on a cross-country flight and then absolutely destroyed the Seattle Mariners the next day, okay? (laughs) The
2: number of beers is actually highly disputed. Some say 50. Some said as many as 70 beers. Which is an absolutely insane amount of beer. Nobody can drink that much. Not with an attitude like that. Now, here are your hosts for the hot corner, Patrick Harris. seven-foot kid that strokes it with the acne on his back. And Mike Lynch. Excuse me, he looks really hot. On 1080 The Fan.
0: Hey, bada, 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 so bada. Hey, hey,
1: records on my demo. Did y'all well, hey there. The Just me and Joe today. We're still with you Joe. all the way until nine Ain't o'clock, though. Is not Patrick is out this week doing his uh his yearly Memorial Day trip where he goes to middle of nowhere literally for a week with his friends and does I guess camping things um this whole idea of a trip just fascinates me because I am not an outdoorsy person I I I don't it's not that I like dislike the outdoors It's just never something that I've done growing up was go camping. So my family never did it. I did it with like my school once. We went out for once or one or two days or something, but it was not something I ever did growing up. And to hear somebody, and I'm sure a lot of listeners out there do, I mean, we live in Oregon. So of course it's it's part of kind of the culture here, but to hear somebody like Patrick, every year he goes for seven or 10 days or whatever it is to a place with nothing, no service of any kind, Basically, the middle of nowhere, literally the middle of nowhere in Idaho. He just goes out there, and they just go drink and have a good time, and I guess – Raft the rivers and hike and whatever other stuff you do camping. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not experienced at this, Joe. It just fascinates me. It's 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 something that's so outside of my comfort zone that it's not. I can't wrap my head around it.
3: Yeah, what I like to do camping. My idea of it as growing up is, you know, we would bring a big old box of just different camping gear, set up our tents, and go to a campground Mm. where. They have a bathroom and showers if you want to use it, but it's still got that camping feel. And there's people there. You're Uh, not in the middle of nowhere, right? Right, exactly. They got maybe a basketball court there or something like that. Uh, I remember one that my family and I used to go to a lot out in Mill City, which is like east going towards Bend, out towards that way. Uh, But, yeah, was great times there. But uh, camping now, as I've gotten older, has taken on a whole new meaning because I have friends that like to do – Kind of like what Patrick does, not to that extent. I don't think. I don't think ten days no service. But their idea of camping is finding a trail somewhere uh, near the gorge or towards Mount Hood, just in that area, and then stopping off somewhere and just posting up camping somewhere randomly. I was so. gonna. That was
1: gonna be my my one question again. Please don't make fun of me. I am very naive with this stuff. Or make fun of me. It's okay. Just understand where I'm coming from that I have no prior experience with this. So my questions are going to sound dumb. (laughs) So, Joe, you can answer if you know, or the text line at 55305 can answer if they know, um, which I'm sure some of you do. Do you, is it allowed, is it okay to just find a spot and pitch a tent and sleep? Or do you need to – is there, like, a law in Oregon that you have to go to a campground? Is there – do you have to – is there certain
3: areas that are designated for it? Like, yeah. what What? What are you doing? That's the, I think the designated areas, because from what I've heard is that there are trails all over the place uh, once you get out towards the gorge and Mount Hood area. And there are designated trails that if you end up somewhere, you can camp there. I don't think you can just, you know – Go off of a trail. I mean, you can. I don't know. I, well, like I, this so, is something I don't do. But <laughs> right. you know, I told my I told my buddies if they want to do this a camping trip like that, I was like, you guys got to find the trail where we're going. I do not. I know, know it's first, safe. Yeah. I I don't know the first thing about trying to find a camping spot that's quote unquote off the grid. Well, so, <laughs> so, not me. I mean, I, get me a yurt. That's my thing.
1: We've talked about this on primetime before. There's a song. It's a joke. It's a comedy song called Jews Don't Camp, and it's true. <laughs> um, we've played it on the air before, so we don't need to do it for you again, but it is true. There's truth to it. I, like, uh, when I've talked to my parents about this, when they when I first moved to Oregon, they were like, like we're not going to have to, like, camp, are we? And I was like, <laughs> I'm not going to go camping, so unless Kelsey's going God, camping, I then I, so. there's no way. And uh, they were like, yeah, we'll just stay at a hotel near the area, you know? If you, if you want to go camp, we'll just stay at the hotel. That's just kind of, that's my mindset too. <laughs> we had, My cousin lives in Bend and we went to her wedding. And one of the options was to stay near where the wedding venue was in like cabins. Mm-hmm. And my whole family went, nope. <laughs> we're going to go stay at downtown in the hotel. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> that is that is kind of, that. just to give you an idea of what the Lynch family does with camping. It is that. It is not. We don't camp.
3: Yeah. I personally like halfway camping where you go to a campground. I like yurts also because that kind of avoids you having to bring a tent. I have a tent. I can bring one, but I don't know if you ever stayed in a yurt, but I have some good memories of uh, different campsites of staying in yurts. There's sometimes a ping-pong table like a foosball Mm, table in there. It's kind of fun, Uh, but I really do have the desire to do the -the off-the-grid camping. You know what else you
1: could do playing ping-pong? Like, go find a a rec center.
3: (laughs) Well... (laughs) When you're camping and making s'mores and have a campfire, and then you can step on inside and play a game of ping pong, that it changes things. Yeah, it and makes obviously it you clear the ping pong table and set up cups and you know play beer pong as well. You know, the, so the it comes I, in handy. The idea of being unplugged isn't the part that like is weird to
1: me. I mean, it's not something that I've necessarily done, but I'm not exactly fearful of it. I think it'd be kind of cool to experience that. But it, it's really more just the nature. Like I hate bugs. Like I just, I, I feel like I'd just be really uncomfortable the whole time. Um, a couple of texts in the text line five five three zero five. A little bit of a, it's kind of contrarian or contrasting text here. One says depends on where you go. It's not illegal to camp on public ground in Oregon. Someone else says yeah, you generally you have to down- find a campground. <laughs> Oregon's really strict about
3: that. Yeah, you can so, see that from downtown Portland uh, public camping. That is, that is, <laughs> hey, <laughs>
1: that that is true.
3: So, um, hey, what are you one, doing camping in this spot in the forest? Like, are you serious right now? This
1: one says in 90% of the state and national forest in Oregon, it's legal to camp. So two to one, that wins out to me that generally you can just go pop a squat and pe- pitch a tent and hang out and build a fire and all that kind of stuff. Um, RJ is in. He says I will be made fun of mercifully uh, or unmercifully. He says, how long does Lynch last <laughs> in nature? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to give myself some credit that I could figure out how to survive for a a little while, but I have no skill set of any kind in terms of building a fire. Oh yeah, um, Um, sparking a
3: fire. I'm shaky on it. Sparking, I'm probably not doing that. Like I, I I know,
1: know I understand how to build a fire. I've done bonfires before on the beach, so I understand how it works. But in terms of like actually starting one. Mm. <laughs> you're getting a no from me on that one
3: Never watched Bear Grylls, huh? No, no. I have not I love as you're talking about that How long you survive He, His first text from RJ says 37 minutes And then the next one rolls in immediately after Updated opinion, 17 minutes You're last <laughs>
0: <thing>. <laughs>
3: by I'm chance, dead a, in 17 minutes By chance a venomous snake just comes out of nowhere and right, just a gets snake in, Or and like done. I
1: fall into like a pit of poison ivy And there's <laughs> spiders that are poisonous down there And all of a sudden a mountain lion jumps in And I'm dead you think you think the forest knows people who go there that don't know what on earth is happening? They're like, oh, this will be easy. Yeah, they <laughs> like, like they, they plan to find me in the forest. So that's what Patrick's doing this week, and uh, so he'll be back next week. Might just be seven days. I think he's back next week. I think he said he was going to Pullman today. He went to Washington State. He was going to hang out there, and they were going to go out to the middle of nowhere, Idaho, to get this done. Uh, so he'll be back next week. But We do have a lot of baseball on the show today. Well,
3: that's good. It's a baseball show.
1: Yes. Good. But I, I wanted to talk about camping first because
3: I knew that I'd get made fun of, and it's kind of funny. Hey, it's camping season. Memorial Day's coming up. It is camping Summer's season. coming up. Uh, I'm going to
1: San Diego for Memorial Day and staying in a hotel. Thank you very much.
3: It <laughs> hey, um, all comes full circle,
1: staying in a hotel. Right. <laughs> uh, so on the show today, we will be discussing the Rays strategy of using their bullpen first. What the Ringer, uh, which is where the main article I found this on, is calling the opener. Instead of a closer, they're using an opener, a.k.a. Sergio Romo. Close. We'll talk about that. Closing opener? A clopener? Sure. That sounds a <laughs> little dirty, but I'll, I, I, can, I can dig it. Um, so we'll talk about that, and if that strategy is worth it for other teams, if it's only worth it because the Rays don't have good starters, or et cetera. So we'll get to that. I do want to get to Aaron Judge saying no more home run derby for him after one appearance and one win. I don't really care that it's Aaron Judge necessarily. I'm just curious about the home run derby as an event. Do you want players only doing it once? We've seen players struggle after home run derbies in the past. Not all the time, but we've seen it. So we'll talk about that. Um, And also, are the Braves and Phillies for real? Because the Nationals are not in first place in the NL East. The Braves are. Well, actually, the Phillies might be now because they're playing a series together. But those two teams were at the top of the division, and those were two teams that we thought were going to be laughing stocks in Major League Baseball this year. So we'll discuss that. We'll also have fantasy at seven thirty and fair foul at eight thirty. So lots of stuff to get to. Fan text line is five five three zero five, and you can find us on Twitter at ten eighty to the fan at Mike Lynch twenty seven and Joe is at joefish Fish three F I S C H on Twitter. So you can text us or tweet at us and give us all your hot opinions. But coming up next, let's start with the Tampa Bay Rays. Sergio Romo. Best starter in Major League Baseball? No. But why are they starting him two straight games? We'll discuss next here on The Fan.
2: This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 717
1: here on The Fan. Patrick's out this week. Text lines 55305. Joe's still here. People are making fun of me for not knowing how to camp. This one says, turn in my man card. You can't start a fire? I was never taught how, and I never had to. I don't know if that's a turn in your man card kind of thing.
3: Well, and it depends what tools you give me. I mean, like...
1: I can start a fire with, like, things that make fire. Yeah, like
3: a match. <laughs> i have to start, and, and start with, lighter. like, some flint and a stick or something. Yeah, I'm not skipping two rocks together to spark. <laughs> no. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Going to my nearest convenience store, do you have any matches, sir? And
1: yeah, exactly. Take- um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, if I was never, ever taught anything and never had to do it, I don't know if I should turn my man card in for that. You know what I mean? Um, there's plenty of stuff, other, other stuff like car stuff that I should probably turn my man card in for. Cause I'm not like, oh, I'm right there with you. Man. I'm not able to fix my own car. Nope. Um, I could probably change a tire if I had to, but I've never had to. So <laughs> I don't, I don't even know. Um, another one. Now RJ's in saying I wouldn't make it three minutes. So we're, <laughs> we're down to three minutes. I'm dead. Almost the second I step foot into the forest deals into how fast would it be before Lynch is mistaken for a Bigfoot? <laughs> oh
3: my God. I am six foot four, and I am hairy. So there you go. And it is Oregon. It is Oregon. There have been uh, supposed, supposed sightings in the Pacific Northwest. So
1: wouldn't it be? wouldn't it be funny if, without knowing it, I went and camped in like a famous Squatchin area where like the people are looking for Sasquatch, and like they're like, oh my god. That would be your three for whatever minutes. reason. I'm like running really fast. That would be maybe re- I'm running away from a spider web, <laughs> so I'm sprinting, and then I jump really far because I'm
3: jumping over a ravine, and all the adrenaline is in in me. And they're like,
2: "Oh my god, it's Bigfoot!"
3: And that's how the three four minutes would go down: as you would go into a high Sasquatch area, yep, and someone would mistake you for Bigfoot and then take you out, and then they'd walk up and they're like, "Oh my god, we just killed a human being."
1: <laughs> Why are they killing Bigfoot? Aren't they just supposed to capture evidence of Bigfoot? <laughs> that Hey, dead or alive. That's how we need them. Oh, God. <laughs> that's just me, dead or alive. Thanks, Bon Jovi. All right. Uh, let's get into some baseball here. If you missed it over the weekend, this has been happening all season, but it was the most extreme case of it over the weekend. The Tampa Bay Rays were playing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And... In both the games on Saturday and Sunday, their starting pitcher was Sergio Romo. Now, you may remember Sergio Romo from San Francisco Giants fame. He was quite good in the playoffs when they won multiple World Series. He has since fallen off the face of the earth. He's not good anymore, or not as good anymore, but he has resurfaced with the Rays, and they've got him in their bullpen. He's got a 4 6 ERA, so that tells you just how good he's been this year. But... What they did was they started him on both Saturday and Sunday. All he did was pitch one inning or one and a third inning in the second game. And then they pulled him for their real starting pitcher, quote unquote, which is more like a long reliever in in this sense. In those games, Sergio Romo, first inning on, I want to say this is Saturday's game. I have them both open, but I don't have the date. Yeah, it was Saturday. I am just making sure this game is Saturday. He went one inning. Three Ks. All three Ks. Second start. One and a third. Three Ks. So the strategy worked. The strategy was, according to Tampa, or at least in the thought, according to Tampa, was the Angels, when Shohei Otani does not hit, have all right-handers in the beginning of the the game. All. All right-handers in a row. And they also have really, really good first-pitch fastball hitters who swing at or that they hit hard stuff really really well Sergio Romo no longer can throw hard he's a really really he's got like a really looping curveball he's got a slow changeup he's a really soft pitcher and he's a righty so righty on righty is an is an advantage and it worked and the Rays only won one of the two games but they were able to hold on to a lead in both those games thanks to Sergio Romo early on stopping the offense from getting going um the Rays are now essentially doing two bullpen days a week or every five starts. They have three starting pitchers and they have two days where they're going kind of bullpenny. That might mean Sergio Romo. That might mean they've got a guy named Matt Andres who used to be a starter who's kind of become a long reliever. He'll pitch a couple innings. They've got this guy Yarborough who's pitched a, who's been in this spot the whole season where he's pitching like four or five innings a game. Um, It's more of their bullpen day. And they're basically saying we don't have enough good starting pitching And the way bullpens are going in Major League Baseball right now is dominant, hard to hit. Why not just go for it and go bullpen game? So I guess my first question is, text your thoughts to the fan text line 55305. Is this a viable strategy? They went one and one doing it this weekend with the extreme example of Sergio Romo being an opener, not a closer. Um, So text five five three zero five. Do you
3: think this is a viable strategy? Is this something other teams will pick up? Honestly, looking at that Ringer article that you brought up, uh, there's a graph that is jarring uh, to look at because it shows the starting pitchers and the number of batters faced on average for pitchers throughout the years. In 1920, it was obviously crazy. They would you know, pitch guys for 40, 50 games. Uh, they would see on average nearly 32 guys a game, batters, and now today it's in between 22-24. So it's dropped off drastically. Yeah, and I don't know. It's a dramatic know, drop. Like huge drop within the set 80, 90 years. And um, I don't know if you saw what Zach Zo uh, Zach Kozart said of the LA Angels. He thinks that there's an uh, ulterior motive behind it, saying that the Rays, you know, the they don't want to pay starting pitching. And that's gonna be the trend going forward is that guys aren't gonna to want to have to spend money on starting pitching if they can find other ways to get effective pitching through their bullpen, and then that saves payroll, that saves money that you can then spend on guys that are going to put up runs on the offensive side.
1: That's interesting.
3: So Zach Cozart was saying that, you know, this is a move to save some money so that way they don't have to spend on starting pitching. Well, the Rays are known for being a cheap team. They're one of those four teams in the, what is it, MLB, PA, uh, Grievance, the Bucks, uh, the Rays, and then the Marlins and one other that we're getting popped for trying to like save money and save payroll.
1: You say the Bucks?
3: Yeah, Pirates.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like Milwaukee. Bucks? Yeah. No, no, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that that I guess that could be true. I mean, the Rays might not even be in Tampa for much longer if their if their stadium situation doesn't get figured out. Right. Similar to Oakland's stadium situation, they might be in Portland if you think about it. Um. <laughs> this is also a graph in this article. It's weighted runs created plus by inning. Um, I looked it up. I didn't know what it was. Sorry. I looked it up. Basically, it's the, it's the chance that a run will be scored in said inning. And has to do with a lot of factors. It says the average of it is 100, so 150 would be 50% above league average. The number one inning for runs to be scored in Major League Baseball is <laughs> wow. the first inning. Yeah, It's the first inning over any other inning. Uh, 5th and 6th or 2nd and 3rd, or switch that, 6th and 5th or 2nd and 3rd, and then extra innings, it's uh 4th, and then it's a pretty big drop-off between those three innings and the rest of the game.
3: Well, it's funny, the huge drop-off from the 1st to 2nd inning, That's yeah. guy's getting settled in. And- well, he's getting settled in, you're at the bottom of the lineup, there you which go. is a weaker part
1: of the lineup, and then 5th and 6th inning is when the starters seeing the guys for the 2nd or for the 3rd time at that point. <laughs> um that's wild which is why the runs are going to go up again so part of it was the race saying look it's really easy to score runs in the first inning before a guy gets settled in let's put in a reliever who is known any reliever who is known for being ready to go one inning and we're going to go righty on righty and we're going to go a guy who's a perfect counter to them and it worked out they didn't score in the first inning and the rest of their guys had a job to do that. They did one night and they didn't do the other night. And what was
3: it? either Saturday or Sunday? I got to find out what day that was Saturday. Um, the pitcher for the rays, he only saw trout and Upton twice because Hmm. of Romo taking that first inning. He went and faced 23 batters after that. And he only have to, had to see Mike trout who is playing insane right now, uh, twice and then Upton twice. I mean, two of their best hitters. And that's, that's, usually
1: known as the, the right amount of times. We, we've seen it. That's why in the graph you were talking about, uh, that's why so many pitchers are getting pulled in the fifth because they don't want them to see the top of the lineup three straight times because those guys have now had that many at-bats to get used to the pitching and they've had that many at-bats to time their swings correctly and all that kind of stuff. So all of this analytic stuff is coming in and, and turning into a strategy. This text came in. Any strategy that starts with, we're so bad we need to blank, is a bad strategy. <laughs> well, okay, sure. I think that's a, that's a fine argument for the race sake, but I want to ask this question. We have to break. So I'll, I'll, I'll do it and then we'll break. If a team has an elite bullpen, but average starting pitching and they're not so bad, they need to do blank. They're just using this as a way to change the way the game works. Would that be a good strategy to you? I I don't want to be Mr. Homer, but I think the Yankees are a perfect example of this. Great bullpen, average starting pitching. Would it be okay in your mind if David Robertson pitched the first and then Sunday Gray pitches until the sixth and then you've got Chad Green, Chapman, Batances?
3: You know what? And I have to say, how dare you? Because, you know, my Orioles was pulling that off first with Aaron O'Day and Britton before they decided not to pull them into the wild card game. But
1: yeah, but two turned into like five. So I don't know if you could say the Orioles pulled it first.
3: The Royals pulled it first with all successfully. Yes. Yeah, successfully. Yeah. Cause they did get a ring. So,
1: all right. So I ask you that question, text your thoughts on that next. Plus as just a baseball fan, do you like this at all? Cause I kind of don't that's next, but first Joe has sports center.
2: This is the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan. 7.33
1: on your Wednesday evening. Patrick's out today. Just uh, Joe and I. I'm Mike Lynch, if you're a first time listening. Hello. Uh, Just Joe and I until 9 o'clock today. Talking some bullpen strategy thanks to the Tampa Bay Rays who went closer or reliever to open the game and then long reliever slash starting pitcher after him and it I mean at least the beginning of the strategy worked both nights they did two nights in a row with the same pitcher Sergio Romo and it worked so I asked before the break we had a text that said if any strategy starts with we're so bad we need to do blank it's not a good strategy so I I flipped that and I said let's say a team like again the example I I could come up quickest is the Yankees who have a good bullpen and a mediocre or average starting pitching let's say It's not Severino. It's not Tanaka. Let's say it's Sonny Gray, who's really struggled this year for the most part. And their their decision is Sonny Gray doesn't pitch great in the first inning. So let's put David Robertson, first inning, get through the first. Sonny Gray comes in against the the lower part of the order, uh, pitches until whenever he's done, and then you go back to the rest of the bullpen. Is that a smart strategy or is that just Changing the order of what would have happened anyway, because if you start Sunny Gray and then Robertson comes in in the sixth or whatever the case may be, um, does that really make much of a difference? And according to the Ringer article that had all the, all the stats, it might because the first inning is such a a frequent inning for scoring runs that if you put a dominant reliever in or a really good reliever in, not the Sergio Romo's dominant, you put a good reliever with a good matchup in, then you stop that. Or does that same pitcher who's the starter? Just still have a fine matchup, and it works out fine. To me, I, to me, in my opinion, I don't think it's the best strategy. I think you throw your starters out of a loop. Um, if again, this is if you're not the Rays, who don't have other starting pitchers, if you do, you throw your starters out of a loop. You kind of take away some of the buzz of the game for your fans, and maybe you, maybe it helps you win a couple of innings, but I'm not sure it helps you win a game more uh, than, than the good old fashioned starting pitcher, starting the game strategy, which really is not a strategy at all. So I don't particularly think it's the best. And I'm not sure even if in the best, even if the Yankees aren't the best example to use, whatever team out there would be the best example to use. Maybe and again, they're not the best, maybe Arizona or something. I'm thinking of good or Colorado. Maybe they've got a good bullpen, but pretty iffy starting pitching, um, I don't know if that would be a good strategy to fix it. So the maybe the Rays are doing it because they need to, but I don't know if, if you don't need to if it's the right strategy. I guess that's my point.
3: Yeah, I'm. this is where I wish Patrick was here. I'm very curious to what he thinks because – You know what he thinks. He's an old fuddy-duddy when that, it comes to baseball. And that's why – I mean, first thing that came to mind, I was like, well, who was the first person who said that a guy has to start the game first, second, third, and it's like, well, it's kind of been the way – It's been for a hundred years. right? You know, it's just traditional baseball, and I feel like that's where Patrick would lie on this is that you're messing with how a game should be played. But, I mean, it's clear that I think the Rays are obviously trying to mend a not-good starting pitching, um, but they also have what we saw. I mean, the first inning is where guys are getting the majority of their runs. So maybe it's just the Rays are trying to stay relevant Trying to play good. I mean, they are 6-4 and in their last 10 games. But, as you said, is it a strategy that's just going to keep them alive for a couple innings? Because they did lose one of those games. They were only one for one. They split the Saturday and Sunday where they did this strategy. Granted, it worked, like you said, because Romo struck out every batter both times. But what it comes down to is wins and losses, and they lost one of those games. So, granted, they ran into, I think, Shohei Otani on Sunday. So...
1: Yes, um, so yeah, I don't, I don't like it as a strategy, and as a fan, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Like I was teasing there slightly before, I think it takes all the buzz away of a good starting pitching performance.
3: Yeah, the thirty fans at the Rays Stadium, right? They're, Again, they're
1: real buzzed over the Chris Archer starts right now. <laughs> right. I think the I think the Rays are an outlier, and which is why they're the only team doing this right now. Because a, no one cares about the Rays even in Tampa, and B they, they gotta, don't they don't have a good starting pitcher. So to fill in that game, or a good enough one, so I guess, hey, what the hell,
3: try it. But yeah, at this point it is one of those. I was going to say 3. What else do they have to lose? I mean, they're I think 500? If a that game, a game below 500, which a lot of the AL looks like right now is floating around 500, but they I mean, are three games below 500. So, I mean, you got to try something at this point in the season because I think they found that they're not going to be very good. And so this is, you know, and it's super small sample size too. I mean, two games of this, and there's been there has been articles saying have they revolutionized how teams approach games? Well, yes, it's been two games, but Are they, they have been reshape baseball with their pitching <laughs> strategies,
1: and it's like okay, let's just they have been <laughs> doing the bullpen day all season though, so it's not just the two games. The Romo one was just two games. They've been basically making a long reliever a starter for just less. Innings. That's kind of been what they've been doing. That Yarborough guy has started a bunch of games, but he's not a starter. He's a really going
3: three, four innings. Maybe. Yes. Okay.
1: Yes. That's kind of what they've been doing. So the Romo strategy was a new one that they, that they used. But again, so back to what I was saying, I think this is just bad for the fans. So sure. The rays don't care, but whatever. Think about St. Louis, right? A great baseball city. Their fans care all, all the way. And you're telling me that there's some sort of matchup with the Cubs. And it's Carlos Martinez against John Lester. But instead, it's John Lester against some, I guess, Jordan Hicks, the, the 105 mile an hour flamethrower guy, for one inning, and then Carlos Martinez comes in. That's a it's weird. There's no buzz, right? It's it it changes the way the game feels um, to me. It, it changes the part of the fun of the starting pitcher batter relationship that goes on in a game. The tinkering, the The strategy, the countering that goes on, it kind of changes that a little bit. It's not a massive change, right? It's one inning. But to me, it changes the vibe. And part of why I love baseball so much is how it feels to watch a game. Win, lose, whatever, extra innings. Watching baseball has a certain feel to it. And even if your team isn't good, even if you're like John Sukannik and you hate Watching the Mariners half the time, he'll even admit the the feel of watching a game of of kicking your feet up and putting on the top of the first inning is so cool, and so different than any other sport in my opinion. Um, I don't I don't think you you should lose that. I think you should try to keep that because you can tinker with rules, you can tinker with length of games, you could tinker with length of season, whatever whatever wants to whatever baseball wants to do, but. What's so important about baseball, in my opinion, is that extra something. The vibe around the ballpark, the, the flair,
3: all that kind of stuff.
1: Don't tinker with that.
3: Right, and I don't think we're going to see much of a change. I think this is somewhat of a desperate team going to desperate measures to try and stay competitive, which they somewhat are at this point. Uh, so I think it's just a manager just trying something. Um, and it's not going to last on it. If you give me a bigger sample size and show me numbers that say it works well and it leads to a wins, more wins, than not trying a traditional starting pitcher for four, five, six innings, whatever, then yeah, I'll believe it. But for now, this is just something somewhat of a fad for the Rays because they're just trying to trying to play. Well, I, stay guess, relevant.
1: I guess we're going to see some sort of a sample size from Tampa. If they keep doing this, We'll we'll find
3: out. Um, like you said, they've been doing that three, four inning guy for the majority of the season. Yes. Yep. It's just the first time they've done yep. the one inning closer opening. I don't know if it was just because it was the angels and they were all stacked righties, but right. either way,
1: um, it, we're going to see this from Tampa more, and I'm going to be curious to see what the long-term uh, effect of this is, but I, I don't know. I'm with you. I don't think it's going to catch on a couple of texts before we go. If this trend catches on with starting your closer, I'm curious how it'll affect player salaries. It turns a lot of what we think about baseball on its head. That's true. That, that like, comes to the point that you were talking about yeah. the Rays are being cheap and they're Zach saying Kozart was saying that. Yeah. Yeah, we don't want to we don't want to pay starters, so we'll just pay average relievers average or mediocre money to pitch one inning and then we'll pay long relievers average to mediocre money. Uh, the other text says, "What if Homeboy, I guess that's the starter, has three perfect innings, but you know he can only throw 60?" Bad idea in my mind. That's part of like the vibe thing that I'm talking about, the fun in the game. I mean, I guess in that situation it would be the same thing as if like a a rookie starter having his first start but is on the pitch limit. We've seen that a bunch recently where they'll just pull a guy. Six innings, no hit ball, doesn't matter. They're pulling him because he's at 80 pitches and they're going to take him out anyway. Uh, I guess you'd probably see it a lot sooner. You, you'd get a lot more combined no hitters if a no hitter was in the cards. But, uh, yeah, I again, that kind of ruins a little bit of the perfect game no hitter kind of fun because – You can't have a perfect game if you start pitching in the second inning. It just uh, doesn't work that way.
3: (laughs) Nor a quality
1: start. Uh, A lot of things factor into it. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Could you go second inning to sixth inning or eighth inning and still get a quality start? Because that's like six innings pitched. You're not starting the game. I know. That is true. That is true. You're not starting the game. Um, All right. Keep text coming in 55305. We do have fantasy. Grind coming up next. If you have any fantasy questions, feel free to text them right me at five five three zero five. And uh, if not, we'll just give you some tips for what to do at this point in the season. This is the
2: hot corner on ten eighty the fan. Fantasy baseball is easy if you know what you're doing. Who's winning? What is occurring? Which players should be in your lineup card? I have today's forecast for you. Hot. And who should be sitting next to you in the dugout? We're going back to work on fundamentals. Fundamentals. On in the middle of the season. This is the Fantasy Grind. Part of the Hot Corner with Harrison Lynch on 1080 The Fan.
1: That's us. Don't worry about it, Joe. I inhaled and I felt like something went in my nose as I inhaled. and It made me freeze for a second. Um, That's us, but Patrick is out uh, until next week. He's in – well, I guess he's in Pullman tonight, but he's going to Idaho for a camping trip. This is the Fantasy Grind. If you have any fantasy baseball questions, text them to 55305. That's the fan text line. And I will do my best, and Joe will help to answer the questions. Um, So far, if you'd like my credentials, (laughs) I'm first in the league that I joined with Patrick, the – rotisserie league my first year doing a rotisserie league so so far it's going pretty well and i am what's my record in this league this is a head-to-head league i'm five and two in my other league so doing pretty well this year last year was was an off year for me fantasy wise but uh i was able to get out of the doldrums of having really bad starting pitching (laughs) to somehow finagle together a a good starting rotation or at least a serviceable starting rotation this year, which I can update you on in a second if you'd like. We did get a question on the fan text line, 55305. 10-team league head-to-head. My starters are decent. I have Mookie Betts. I have Manny Machado. Should I trade Paul Goldschmidt for a starting pitcher? Uh, My answer is no. I know Goldschmidt's really struggling this year. He's having by far his worst season as a major leaguer. I'm going to pull up his stats here really quickly, so give me one second. I think he's hitting under 200 from what I saw. Oh, God. He's hitting exactly 200. Gross. It's on base, percentage it's 324, so he's getting on base still because he walks a lot. But you know Goldschmidt's not going to stay bad for this long. And in a 10-team league, there's always good starters to be had, or at least there's always good enough starters to be had. Um, now, if you want to turn Goldschmidt into... An elite starter, fine, but you're not going to get that because of how poorly he's performed so far this year. I think if you trade him, you're going to get a lot lower value than what you should be for a guy like Goldschmidt. And when he gets hot, and he will, you will have a trio of elite players on offense who can help carry you in bets, Machado, and Goldschmidt. So I would say do not trade Goldschmidt. If he starts getting hot and the value goes up and you still need some starting help, feel free. Uh, but right now, it's not a good time to trade them, it, And I, I, I probably wouldn't anyway. I would just ride out the, the, the cold streak. And like I've talked about on the show, my rotation was the worst. And I have turned it into something that is manageable that today gave me almost 100 pitching
3: points with four starters
1: and two relievers. So,
3: And this guy's saying that his starters are at least decent. Decent. You're saying yes. yours were just complete poo. Oh, they were bad. Yeah. So yeah, he's at least putting in the decent qualifier for his starters. So today I used three of my four new starters, and they pitched well, all three of them. out a babe. So good for you, Tyson Ross, Tyler Skaggs, Chad. Cool, thanks. I'm happy for you, bud. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Initially, I thought yes because I mean, Betts and Machado are just having ridiculous seasons this year. They're almost making up for Goldschmidt's deficiencies, and that's where you might have to look at is are they actually putting up those numbers to make up for what Goldschmidt is not doing? Um, I would say, keep an eye on it for at least like two and three more weeks, maybe as you get closer to July, maybe back end of June. And if Goldschmidt hasn't done anything to, you know, show signs of life and your starting pitching is not helping you in any ways. Like you said, they're decent. So they must be all right. They must be, you know, managing the storm for now. But if that's not the case, in about three weeks back end of June, I would say to uh, probably investigate some trades.
1: I do think this also depends where you're currently sitting in your league. If you're doing fine, if you're just above 500, if you're plowing along, and it's, it's okay. I wouldn't trade gold. I mean, if you're... Goldschmidt, but if you're a bad, if you're like two and five and your starting pitching has been causing you those losses, then maybe I try it, but again, you're not going to get the value you want because he's hitting 200.
3: My my philosophy... Unless in, there's a Diamondbacks fan in your league. <laughs> yeah. My philosophy in any fantasy sport, just make it to the playoffs. And he says he's in second. Yeah, if you're <laughs> you're good enough and you're, you're going to make it to the playoffs, just, just get to the final playoffs and figure it out then. When Machado gets traded, will he have better stats to do a better supporting
1: cast? No, because his stats are unfreaking I was real. Say, I don't know with how they the can... worst supporting cast possible.
3: <laughs> I don't That's know how they true. can get
1: any better, honestly. Yeah, it's... Machado's hitting 328, fifteen homers, forty three RBIs, 405 on base percentage. <laughs> That's well above his career averages. Um, I mean, I, I say it, uh, he has a bad supporting cast. He doesn't really. The Orioles are playing badly, but their lineup has good players in it. Uh, scope and and adam jones
3: did you see the tweet in that uh ringer article concerning the one uh in one pitcher inning the (laughs) indians fan goes i don't know why this is unique the Orioles have been
1: having one one uh one inning pitchers all year
3: (laughs) i was like "Eh, poor joe (laughs) Uh, i i laughed i'll admit i laughed at it well you got 15
1: wins everything's gonna be laughing at this point you can't care anymore no you just gotta laugh and God, no. And I guess, hope you get a top-tier talent player in the draft next year.
3: Yeah. Um,
1: Because then we'll just trade him away in five years. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) Or you'll you'll hold on to him and then lose him for nothing, which might happen too.
3: The Uh, Orioles way.
1: Yeah, Machado won't be better. He'll be – I mean, Machado's just great, so he'll just continue to be great. Um, This one, Eduardo Nunez, Xander Bogretz, or Paul DeYoung, who has the most value to try for an outfielder? Oh, to trade. Um, I have Manny, Altuve, and Ramirez. Guessing Hanley? I'm guessing G. Oh, probably Hanley. Yeah. So Manny Machado, Jose Altuve, and Hanley Ramirez? Or Jose Ramirez, maybe. Ah, yeah. Um, that's a good infield. Most values, Bogarts. Uh, I wouldn't trade Bogarts, uh, although... Yeah, I wouldn't trade Bogarts because I think he's really, really good. I think he's one of the best. I mean, I guess I think Betts is better now, but I, I've always thought Bogarts was the better hitter. Um, and just this year, Betts has passed him. But I would not trade Bogarts, but he has the best value. Eduardo Nunez has no value uh, outside of multiple positions being played. He doesn't play every day. He's really inconsistent. Paul DeYoung is a good young player. He might have some decent value, but you're not going to get a lot back from him, I don't think. So if you want to trade a big name, trade Bogarts. You are going to top tier outfielder for him. But... Also sounds like you're a Red Sox fan. You've got Hanley, Bogarts, and Eduardo Nunez. Mm-hmm. Although, I guess I have two Red Sox and I'm a Yankees fan, so <laughs> I guess that doesn't actually matter
3: because I have Bogarts and I have uh, Rafael Devers. Hey, uh, that, that's good fantasy strategy there. Don't let the don't let the rivalry lines get in the way there. You draft, oh, yeah.
1: Draft from everybody. Dude, I love Bogarts. Uh, he's such a good hitter. There's no way I was going to pass him up in my fantasy
3: draft. No, people that do that, like, that would be – trying to think of a fantasy football equivalent for me. That's like me passing up any Eagles player because I like right. the Cowboys so much. Like Carson like, Wentz is sitting there and you're going like, to pass no, him up. No, for, I think he's going to have a down year. You know, Dak, Dak's my guy. <laughs> you try and yeah, sell yourself on the fact that no, I just mm,
1: I'm going to pass. Uh So yeah, so I'd say Bogart says definitely the most value, but I would not trade him. Then after that, I'd say DeYoung and then Nunez. Um, that's all the time we have. Thanks for the questions, guys. Appreciate it. I was just going to throw this out as a, as a a theory, or I guess an idea moving forward. A strategy is keep an eye out on all the young players being called up. They're hitting pretty well, but make sure they're going to stay up. Juan Soto, the outfielder for the for the Nats, gets called up, hits a home run his first game. He's not playing every day. He's, uh, I think, only playing against righties, but, um, you know, he's a good young hitter. I'd add him. But the guy Willie Adams from the Rays, who hit a home run in his first game against Chris Sale, who they just called up, the the note was he's only going to be up for two days, two three days. So don't add him. You might you might be a hot player, but don't add him. Guy like Tyler O'Neill. By the way, I didn't even know this. He's the he got called up by the Cardinals. He's hitting really well, three forty eight. You know who Tyler O'Neill is? He no. was the Mariners' number two prospect traded in the Marco Gonzalez trade. Of course he was. And uh, he's hitting three forty eight with three home runs in his first one two three four five, six games in the majors. So <sighs> good news, Branders fan. Marco <laughs> Gonzalez is your starting pitcher. All right, coming up next hour fair foul comes up at eight thirty. But I also want to ask the question do you believe in the Braves and the Phillies? That's next. This is the hot corner on Tending with the Fans.